I say this a lot, which is that I think everyone should have at least two children if possible so that you can understand that like the amazing things about them as well as the things that are so frustrating <laughs> about them none of that has anything to do with you like you know i feel like i parent i have two kids i feel like i parent them the both same way they couldn't be more opposite welcome to the art of fatherhood a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood now here's your host art eddie What's going on, everybody? Artie here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to be joined by Palin Chow and also Anthony Stocky. Thank you both for taking the time. How are you doing, Palin? Doing great. Thanks so much for having us. No doubt. How are you doing, Anthony? Very good. Very good. Looking forward to chatting with you guys about your movie, The Monkey King. Congrats on that. But I love bringing good guys and gals like yourself to talk a little bit about your parenthood journey. So Palin, we'll go with you. When you found out you were going to be a mom, what was going through your mind? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have to say, um, my son was born five weeks early, my first son. And so he was teeny, teeny, tiny. And uh, as we were, but he was good enough to go home right away. And I thought, they're going to let me take this baby home. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is crazy. Um, so it was, it was a little overwhelming at first, but obviously also like the most amazing thing to happen ever. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. That drive, that ride home, you find like, you're not going the highway. You're going to go the recover as slow as you possibly can. Right. Yes. yes 100%. Never recover. Still haven't. <laughs> what about you, Anthony? No, I was, I started pretty late. I was pretty old. I got one in right, <laughs> right before the finish line. And it was particularly funny because I, my brother, my little brother is 10 years younger than me. And he called and told me that him and his wife were pregnant. They were going to have a kid. And I said, oh, yeah, <laughs> it was exactly the same time we had our kids were born a couple of weeks apart. And he's like, you got to You always have to steal my. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I was like, yeah, I just made it. Just made it in. I have one son. Oh, that's fantastic. I that. Yeah, you can't let me just have this, can you? No, you can't. You can't. You always got to do it. Number one side. <laughs> Talk about, you know, I, I'm guessing for you guys and the work that you guys do, creativity is, is something that maybe you guys look to instill into your kids. But before I put any more words in your mouth, Palin, talk about some of the values or just things you're looking to teach them as they grow up. Um. You know, I think like mostly I say to my kids, follow your passions and, you know, do what you think is going to make you happy. Um, and it's funny because it's actually a very not traditionally Asian parenting philosophy and very much the opposite of what I grew up with, which was um, go to college, be a doctor or a lawyer, and you're going to have a happy life. And so I think that I kind of, you know, approached it a bit differently because I found myself in, in a more creative field. And, you know, I think ironically, my older son has said like, you know, I want to figure out how to make a lot of money. And I've said, you know what, actually <laughs> not what's going to make you happy. Then I'm like, oh my God, they're going to take away my Asian parenting card. What am I saying? So. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough, you know, I th I always say hardest job and best job ever is parenting. Um, and I think, you know, what I struggle with teaching is like, uh, or being a parent, I think the most is like when to 
help and when to let them find their own way, right? Like what's, what's the balance of that? It's a, it's a question I struggle with every day. If you find the answer, tell everybody other, all the other parents, because we'd love to know. <laughs> so let us know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anthony, what about you, sir? Early on, I can remember uh, my father saying something like this, but also this friend of mine saying, it's like, yeah, you can't really tell him anything. You know, you can't really tell him. Just the fact that you're telling him isn't going to work. But by example, you know, if they see you enjoying your work, they see you getting satisfaction out of hard work, putting a lot of time into it. They see the way you treat other people. They see that kind of stuff. That's the only way to inspire them or influence them in any way and stuff. So, so yeah, so you kind of got to look is, is um, my son's probably not going to go into anything similar to animation. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he can't, he, he hates animation. He never watches it. Oh, do we have to watch a cartoon? <laughs> but, but I think he's seen that I, I really enjoy my work. And I like working on it and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it and stuff. And he sees that it takes time and it takes effort and stuff. You know, whenever I ask him, he's got a job at a pizza place. He goes, yeah, there's a lot of slow walking, slow walking the job here. I go, yeah, don't be a slow walker. Don't, don't walk through the day, you know, put a little effort into it and stuff. And I know where he got that. He probably got that from his mother, but a little bit from me too. <laughs> awesome. One more question before we get into your, uh, the, the movie, the monkey King, I, I, I want it like, you know, when you guys are making movies and you have characters, right? Not just the main character, but you see characters go through different arcs and learn something about themselves through the interaction of different people, right? So let's just kind of put this into a parenting perspective. Uh, Palin, you can go first. What is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe you didn't know was there, but you it, it kind of became clear once you became a mom? Well, one thing that I've really learned from my kids is that so much of who they are, they come out that way. And I say this a lot, which is that I think everyone should have at least two children if possible, so that you can understand that like the amazing things about them, as well as the things that are so frustrating <laughs> about them, none of that has anything to do with you. Like, you know, I feel like I parent, I have two kids. I feel like I parent them the both same way. They couldn't be more opposite um people um and so it it's really just amazing to me kind of how much you know is in the their beings that they that they come into the world with um you know it's awesome no doubt you anthony that's funny all the way through i think palin you you probably too all the way through our careers you know you know you work in animation they're supposed to be for the most part they're family films and stuff. So you always discuss, you know, the message the kids are going to be getting out of it, but also other stuff about, is it too scary? Um, you know, there's little rules of thumb that you have. It's like, if the hero child is not scared in a scary sequence, that's okay. What kids don't like to see is a terrified child or a child being picked on or abused by an adult. It goes, it's all questions of levels and stuff. So having a kid you really realize how resilient they are. So you can push the stories much further, I think, than your average person at the studio who's worried about that stuff thinks you should go. Um, and kids are fascinated with, uh, you know, the, the melodrama of it. They're fascinated by adults behaving badly. <laughs> They're fascinated by certain things that I just, you forget, you don't remember when you were a kid, you just don't. 
you know, but you have your kid and you show them stuff and you see what they like and what they're not afraid of and stuff. And it really informs what you do. There's the little girl character in this movie. because She was, I mean, it was Palin's idea, you know, early on to make this folktale, which is, can be very complex to people who haven't grown up with it. The way into the movie was to introduce this human character who doesn't really know Monkey and doesn't know all the rules. And that's how the audience can go through with this little girl. And that was great. But her character probably changed more than any other character in the process. What's really nice about the animation process is you make the movie over and over again, storyboarding it and rewriting it. So her character became more complex. She became more obstinate. She became more conniving. <laughs> she became a much more interesting character and also, I think, a much better character for kids to see in this situation. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. And uh, yeah, it's a great segue into the Monkey King. Congrats on that. And it's going to be on Netflix. And obviously people, families uh, and people of all ages should definitely check it out. But talk a little bit about Palin first, that just your inspiration and, and like what, you know, this project means to you and what, you know, what, what do you hope uh, viewers will take away from it? Obviously, you guys are the director and producer and, and you put, you know, blood, sweat and tears in it. But what inspired you to do this and all to take on this project? And also to what do you hope people will take away from it? So uh, the Monkey King is based on the Journey to the West novel, which is very, very old. Um, we looked it up today. 1572 is when it was first published. Um, and its popularity has been enduring across generations. And I personally grew up with it um, as a child, knowing the Monkey King stories. And now uh, my two boys grew up with it as well. So it's something that's um, really personal and been in my family and a part of my life. And, you know, growing up, going to school, I would talk about the Monkey King and no one have any idea who he was, who he is. And despite how famous he is in certain parts of the world. And so when I got the chance to try to tell a global version of this story um, for Netflix, um, it was really exciting thing that, you know, I jumped at the opportunity to do. Um, in terms of the messaging of the film and, and what I'd hope people take away from it, I really, um, you know, connect with uh, Lynn's journey and what um, Tony was just talking about. Um, and uh, this notion that she kind of comes to learn about the importance of writing her own scroll and that the decisions that you make and the actions that you take really have such a profound impact um, on the life you end up leading and also the community around you. And I think that that's a really cool message for kids. Then um, I hope that uh, we talk about it, inspiring kids to go out and tell their own stories, um, which would be an awesome thing to happen, I think, from this film. No doubt. And for you, Anthony, uh, being the director, talk about some of the things that you, uh, we, you know, from the start to finish, Maybe, maybe not a hurdle is the wrong word, but the certain things that you guys had to, you know, you said you were kind of developing and the cool thing about animation is you can kind of rewrite the story and go back there. What were maybe some of the hurdles for trying to get, um, like Palin said, like, who doesn't know the Monkey King? Well, obviously uh, people in di different parts of the world don't know it, right? A lot right? of people don't, yes. Yeah, so how, how do you guys, was it like trying to translate the 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 themes and the messages? Because sometimes themes and themes and messages are universal, but what were some of the hurdles that maybe you guys experienced while you were making this? Yeah, there's definitely, there's, de you know, the, 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 the trickster mischievous character who, who uh, is anti-authoritarian, you know, that's kind of universal. I don't know if it's quite as pushed as monkey is, 
And then the fact that he goes on to battle a pantheon of gods and that kind of stuff is, is but there's a universal story in there. And then, you know, the universal story of this little girl, sort of her empowerment story and, and her resilience and all that stuff. You know, those things were, were really, were really, I think everybody can relate to those and everybody can get, get something out of them. I think, you know, a lot of newer movies uh, have, have, you know, they start with, the, they're addressing issues of trauma and stuff like that. What we wanted was a little girl who saw a problem, decided she's going to make something out of her life and just went out and changed the world, you know, takes on the gods and stuff, which is still a good story to tell, you know, and stuff. It's great. And it was, it was really, I think, Palin's insight early on, oftentimes, like you, Palin likes to say that you could make chapter 38 of Journey to the West, where Monkey battles the white bone demon. Everybody in Asia would know who the white bone demon is, who Monkey is. He could enter as an adult. They know exactly who he is. It's like us and Superman. You don't have to show Superman's origin story in every movie. But to introduce it to a global audience, starting with the first seven chapters of a hundred chapter book, show where he comes. There's still a lot in there. He's born out of a rock. What? <laughs> He's immediately arguing with the Jade Emperor in heaven. Huh? Who's the, and then Boone is talking about him. There's a lot of things that you have to weave through the story in a way that they feel integral and you turn your cards over one at a time at the right time so nobody gets lost. They go, okay. And Stephen Chow, who was our sort of monkey guru on the project, he would always tell us, Tony, Tony, you know, stop. He goes, don't worry about who Buddha is, who the Jade Emperor is. They're just authority figures. They're policemen or teachers or anybody who tells you what you have to do. And Monkey reacts against them. Everybody understands that equation. They don't have to know the history of Buddha or who the Jade Emperor is related to. And it was right. You know, it was really true. His sort of spidey sense for what the story could be and what was universal about it was pretty, was pretty great. Love it. Thank you both for sharing that. I got two more questions before we finish off at the Art of Father at Quick Five. Um, you guys are no stranger to making awesome animated movies and, and, and being in this industry. One of the things I love about uh, voice actors is how they can bring, you know, the drawings to life, right? And talk a little bit about the casting process. Uh, there's a lot of people that people maybe not know. And then there's other people that they definitely do know. Like I saw BD Wong's in there. I had him on the show on this podcast before. I think he's, you know, obviously incredible talent, but talk a little bit about the casting process. So, you know, cause you, I bet you both had ideas like, oh, this would be a great person for this role and all that, but talk a little bit about the casting process. Well, I think that from the get-go, we knew we wanted an all-Asian cast. I think particularly from, you know, something as iconic as Journey to the West, that was going to be important in terms of the authenticity of it. Um, we worked with Michael Dahlberg, who is a really talented casting director, who had such a strong voice um, in all of these decisions as well. Um, but I think the first role we cast was actually Dragon King um, and Bowen Yang, who, you know, from Saturday Night Live fame, is a genius um, and we knew that we wanted Dragon to be menacing, threatening, but also really funny and have a lot of style and flair. And we really felt Bowen could hopefully bring that to the table. And I remember the first time that we met with him, uh, we learned that it had been a lifelong dream since childhood for him that he wanted to play an animated villain. And that, you know, as a child, he would, uh, he told us he would reenact 
famous animation death scenes in his room on his bed, like Ursula dying from the Little Mermaid and Scar dying from the Lion King. And so he also had grown up with Monkey King and Journey to the West and was like such an amazing uh, opportunity for him to be able to voice the Dragon King and this role. I think we got like two minutes into the meeting, he was like, the villain, Dragon King, Journey to the West, I'm in. Where do I sign? <laughs> very... <laughs> Very exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, I think probably the hardest person to find the right voice for uh, was Monkey. Do you want to talk about that, Tony? Yeah, um, it's funny. It can, it can make a world of difference, especially on a character who can be a little bit obnoxious and a little bit grating. <laughs> if you get the wrong voice, people are like, I don't like him. <laughs> so one thing you do in animation is you, you you come up with a list like Michael would give us a list of how about these people and we go oh they all sound good then we go out and in their other movies we pull their voices off and we cut them against say we already settled on Bowen Yang's we cut them talking to the dialogue doesn't make any sense but you're just feeling you're putting the band together can you tell the difference between the two people talking does this one sound powerful and this one sound you know like it couldn't stand up to the other one you put that together so we tried a few voices and yeah, there was a few more adult, more male voices from Monkey and they they pushed him over the edge of being sort of grating and being a little bit unlikable. So when we tried Jimmy O. Yang, he had the exact right thing. of He little sounded a little bit like an adolescent. You cut him a little bit of slack because, you know, origin story, he's a young character when we meet him. So you, he, you actually had a lot of empathy with him even when he was being a jerk and stuff. You know, it, it was really a subtle, it was hard to describe. It was, you knew when it wasn't right. It was really hard to find those right. And as soon as we cut Jimmy O. Yang's voice coming out of drawings of Monkey, we said, oh, I like that guy. I'll give him a chance to redeem himself over, <laughs> over 92 minutes. Love it. Thank you both for sharing that. Again, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of voice actors and what they do. And so I, I love hearing from you guys just talking about that process. Like I said, one more question before the uh, Father of Quick Five. So, I think nowadays more and more people are being open to animation and all that. And I think what's great about that is animated films is that we see different types of animation, right? And people are not like doing like almost like a cookie cutter type of animation. And each movie has like its own like feel to it. Right. And, and just design talk about how you guys went with that particular design for the characters for, you know, just that world. Um, was it something it was like it was easy to do, or were you guys kind of going back and forth to take a look at what the visuals would be like? The um, uh, one thing from the beginning, I felt that it was important that um, you know when you've seen, when there's been you know for the last ten years, every other movie is either called Spider Man or Iron Man. You know the idea of doing Spider Verse, which it looks like the original comic, great idea. People have seen it; it feels really you know, even more unique because it's done in this sort of art that moves style. But this, to introduce Monkey into the world, we thought, you know, it has magical characters. You go from Earth, the sort of normal Earth, to heaven, to heaven in the clouds, to hell underneath the ground, to the bottom of the sea, that you would probably approach it with more of a realistic look. You know, we were going to make the Cecil B. DeMille version of the Monkey King. The first one out of the bag is not stylized too much because it already had enough you know, unique and weird locations and styles within it. 
So we went for that look, but we still wanted it to be inspired by Chinese brush painting. You know, Chinese brush painting is very atmospheric and foggy. It does, you know, every place is like a spiritual location stuff. So we use the, the texture of, of, of ink on, on rice paper to inspire the textures on all of the objects. You know, we call it texturing, but it's the wood, the wood paneling, the dirt on the ground, the clouds, the shadows on the clouds, or the fact that hell looks like it's made out of black ink, all of it, and, and that comes from, from brush painting stuff. So we used inspiration from different periods in China for the uh, clothing on the gods and stuff. And we used the brush painting for the, the look of the world. And then, which is not exactly the art direction, but we, we asked Stephen Chow, we really wanted the most authentic fighting sequences that we could come up with. And he suggested a young fight choreographer who works in mainland China in the film industry in live action films and introduced us to Siwei Zhao, who, who not only choreographs fight sequences, real fight sequences between martial artists, he also does Peking Opera, which has a very theatrical flamboyant posing to it, which goes along with Monkey's character very well. And then we found out after we started working with him that he's also a 2D animator. He draws 2D, so we could send him our storyboards of our fight sequences, and then he would draw over the poses and say, this is how the character should be posed for this move and for that move. And even on top of that, he would talk to us about the structure of a fight sequence, how it starts out, the first couple of blows are like this, then it gets more, more powerful until the hero starts to take over, and he added some really funny gags. So he was one of the biggest greatest things that Stephen Chow brought to the to the whole project that's great do you want to add anything before we go into the father quick five there Palin no Tony covered it very in depth <laughs> and, I, and again I appreciate like I said it, it's sometimes you guys probably you know know this is like you don't want people to like pay attention to details because you want to be so engrossed in the want movie. to be subconscious but still yeah, yeah. but the just hearing, hearing you guys say that it's just like just another layer of like yeah. how meticulous you guys are in making a movie and making sure all the details are there so the viewer is just enveloped in the movie so thank yeah, you people, Again, people should know those live action movies where they just point the camera and press a button it's way harder in animation we make every single frame one at a time so we're able to go into it noodle i mean sometimes like there's a you know 10 minute conversation over like should the finger be like this or should it be like this <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. that's for real yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you both for the hard work you guys do in making such great films. Uh, so we're going to finish off with the Art of Fatherhood Quick Five. Palin, you can go first, and then Anthony, you can just finish right after, right? So besides The Monkey King, favorite family movie, do you guys have one? I'm not going to pick one. I, I can go first. I think that people should definitely get their kids to cast a wider net and, and stuff. For me, the, the movie that I loved watching, you know, when I was a kid and that I loved showing to my kid was King Kong, the original one, because I just found it like, am I asleep and dreaming or am I watching a movie? It's just the strangest <laughs> movie, the way the stop motion puppets and stuff look. It's really great. You know, I enforce the rule every year. You got to watch It's a Wonderful Life and the Alistair Sims uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, you got to watch both those, and nobody watches them with me for more than five minutes. Oh, it's black and white, and, and they leave. But when they were young enough, and I could force them to watch it, we would, you know, we would watch that. And then it's a stocky family tradition to watch The Godfather every Christmas. 
That's a family movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it is all about family. <laughs> yeah. They're all brothers. It's the story of three brothers, four they brothers. Keep bringing it back in. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't think I can pick one. I okay. I would say um, any Miyazaki film. Okay, yes. heroic yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah, band or genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to. 70s soul music. That's the only uh, compilation CDs I ever had in the car. And then reggae music, particularly the uh, soundtrack for, uh, uh, well, what's it? Well, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. The Harder They Come. Okay, nice. So um, I'm going to have to go with Beatles because I literally was just in Liverpool over the weekend, strolling on Penny Lane with my children. Um, and somebody asked me, did they become fans as a result of going there. I said, oh, no, they were already fans. And they said, well, that's just good parenting. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a, you. You both described my youngest, Jordan. I, I have two daughters. Her um, her taste in music. She loves 70s and 80s. Yes, like, he's all, obsessed. All that. And but it's bad stuff, too. But, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, no more journey on this car ride. No. <laughs> Describe the perfect family vacation. Where would it be? Every year uh, we do. I'm originally from the East Coast and stuff and we live out in portland now uh and um we always go back east uh for a couple of weeks out of the year and go to my sister's uh husband's family have a house up in maine on a lake way up in maine right on the canadian border and it's always it's always really fun i grew up in new hampshire so i definitely know oh, that new hampshire nice, nice. I want to skip the Northeast theme then and say Rhode Island. Um, I actually have a home there and it's truly my happy place. It's <laughs> That's so, awesome. I nice. love being there. Favorite animated film when you were a kid was? I love stop motion. So, you know, uh, uh, the movies with stop motion, King Kong, but I really, really liked Pinocchio. Okay. The Disney, the Disney film. That's the film that I, I think uh, made me want to go into animation when I was very young. Yeah. Nice. I think I have to say The Little Mermaid. I okay. was just blown away by part of your world. And that moment when Ariel's reaching her hand out of the water, it was, you know, one of those moments in the theater where you're like, am I watching this actually happen? Yeah. Um, it really took my breath away. And then uh, that character designed by Glenn Keane, who I later got to work with, um, on Over the Moon was a really amazing full circle moment. Um, cool. So I think I have That's to go amazing. with that. Thank you. And last one, top three words you hope your kids would use to describe you as a parent. What would you like them to be? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hope they would or actually would. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go with hope. We'll make, you know, it's a friendly uh, podcast, a family friendly podcast. We'll go with hope. <laughs> Patient. Which he would even, never say. I'm not even going to for that. <laughs> funny, he would never, ever say. <laughs> uh, three. No. Uh, hardworking. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Patient, uh, funny, and hardworking. What about you, Valen? I'm going to go with kind, happy, and their biggest champion. Right. Uh, nice. You both, you both nailed it. You both nailed that last question. Very good. <laughs> People, make sure you follow Anthony on Instagram at AFStocky and also Palin on Instagram at Palin Chow. And make sure you check out The Monkey King on Netflix. You Obviously, you see all the hard work that they put into this movie and it's got great themes. I love watching movies like this. So you were done watching it. 
all the popcorn has been eaten, but you talk to your kids, like, what is the favorite part? What you learn from it? And this is a movie that I know that can spark those questions and have some good answers. But again, thank you both for your time. I wish you guys, not just on this movie, but continued success and look forward to seeing what you guys offer uh, us in uh, enjoyment uh, in the future. Excellent. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And also go to artoffatherhood.net. You can have a chance to check out some great articles like the weekly Dad's Doing It Right column, the Collector of the Week, and many more. Plus, you have a chance to win some very cool prizes like video games, collectibles, all that good stuff. Go to artoffatherhood.net. And please make sure you rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts because I'll greatly appreciate it to get the word out on the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.